Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, and the Warriors are now 4-1 and one after an ugly, ugly, brutally painful loss to the Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, I guess they're all kind of painful, but this one was a little aggravating, apparently. Bottom line is the Warriors shouldn't have lost this game. They had a 19-point lead in the first half, and... Yeah, you could make the argument that 19 points today in this modern game is the equivalent of maybe like 8 points or 11 points 20 or even 15 years ago. But it was ugly. I don't know what else to say about it. It was it was ugly. The turnovers are what do any team in in a loss like this. They had 22 turnovers versus 17 for the Grizz, and they were 14 of 40 from three, and that's 35%. And they shot 43% from the field. Not great, but hey, you know what? The Grizzlies shot 25% from three and 40% from the field. And the Grizzlies were also on the second night of a back-to-back. They lost in Portland the night before. So... Honestly, there is no way in hell the Warriors should have lost this game. Also, the way the game ended with Gary Payton II unable to catch John Morant to foul him, that was kind of appropriate, right? Like, Just couldn't execute, couldn't make the basic obvious play. (sighs) But let me start with a couple things that they did well. They started fast and they were hot at the beginning of the game. And this is something that in the last couple games, they were not, right? They had started slow against OKC and the Kings and even the Lakers on opening night. And then it took them a while to kind of get going. But this was a game where they bolted out to a lead and they were not able to sustain it. Andrew Wiggins was aggressive to start. He looked like he was going to the basket more. Steph, Steph Curry was hitting shots and the flow was there. It was like, okay. This is like old school dynasty days, right? Where like they're in there and they just kind of overwhelm a team. And I was like writing like notes, like saying, oh, you know, this isn't the Warriors team. The Grizzlies saw at the end of last season in the play-in round. But this game kind of shows that the Warriors have, the Warriors have a tough time against young, fast teams, especially teams that are confident have a little bit of experience and success and definitely teams that are not afraid of them. You saw it a little bit against the Kings and maybe a little bit against OKC. I mean, these are just younger teams in general, but the Kings in particular, you know, they had some speed and some youth and that messed with the Warriors a little bit until they were able to overcome them. But the Grizzlies obviously have beaten the Warriors. They have a star player in John Morant who has done a little bit. They have playoff experience now, so they're not going to fold as easily as, say, maybe like beginning of last season or two years ago. And it just shows that the Warriors, that they're a little old, right? <laughs> they're a little bit old in the sense that these guys were just quicker and they just came at them and they didn't back down and they just kept coming and coming. Credit to their coach and to those players for not giving up, for knowing that they could take this back. And that makes me wonder like, oh, hey, when is James Wiseman and when is Jonathan Kaminga coming back? Obviously, Kaminga, he wouldn't be ready for major minutes, but hopefully sooner rather than later in a couple months, he'd be ready for some spot minutes 
when you need somebody to guard these athletic guys or punish some of these dudes on the interior and Wiseman for sure, you know, like at least he would be there to be a big body and to give them some quicks and some other scoring options in the paint. And man, Draymond, he, he had a rough one and he had five turnovers. Some of them were miscommunications, not always his fault, but some were just also bad decisions. And that eight second violation turnover in the closing minutes of regulation, that was inexcusable, man. Like how many of those has he had in his career? I don't remember any. I'm sure maybe he's had some, but this was literally just because he walked it up too slowly. No one was pressuring him. He just walked it up. Steph had five turnovers and as much as we love him, we all know that that's always been like the one singular consistent flaw in his game. And this was one of those games where it cost them, you know, usually it's like, oh, the Warriors win and Steph has 30 points and a few turnovers and it's all forgotten. But this one hurt because overall it just added (laughs) to this massive total of turnovers. Jordan Poole had six turnovers and some of those were just in terrible, terrible moments. Like there was that one where he was inbounding the ball under their own basket on the baseline and he just threw it and Melton tipped it to himself and they got a fast break. All these things add up. If one dude has a bunch of turnovers, you can overcome that. But the three guys who get the most touches, who handle the ball the most on your team, then that's not going to fly. Steve Kerr after the game more or less said something to the extent of the Warriors do well. They thrive in chaos, but they are a little too chaotic right now. And it sure looked like it, but not to point fingers too much, but it really felt like Jordan Poole was the one that was the most chaotic. He wants to be great, which is awesome, but I've said this before, and it's probably going to be a bit of a theme until he gets more experience and calms down a little, but he was just pressing. Now that he's been given that role as the secondary scorer after Steph and the main scorer on the second unit, then he's really taken it on himself. And when things aren't going his way, he just keeps pressing and pressing and going too fast, making bad decisions. Some of his layups were just ill-advised. He's going to have to learn to slow down and make adjustments with some of these teams that are physical. He's going to have to learn how to create a little bit more for others instead of just trying to get his because it really seems like You know, when he backs it out and slow dribbles it, that he's going to just drive and and shoot. Yes, he dropped a nice dime to Andre Iguodala on a drive early on when everything was going well. But more often than not, the decision has turned out poorly so far this season. And hey, the regular season is different from the preseason. Teams are locking in in general more and they're focusing on you. I'm sure it's getting around on scouting reports that if you are physical with Jordan Poole, if you lock him up a little bit, then you're left with just having to guard Steph. Then it turns into a little bit like last year, especially if your team is younger and quicker, because then you can neutralize people like Nemanja Bielica and Otto Porter Jr. to some extent. But again, I am confident in Jordan Poole. It's only the fifth game of the season, so 
you guard yourself against overreaction after a win and after a loss and a bad loss at that. And speaking of overreactions, I just want to talk about a little bit this idea that it was Steve Kerr's fault that the Warriors lost. I mean, yes, sure. The coach goes down with a ship, deserves some blame, I guess, essentially. But the Warriors had 22 turnovers. Jordan Poole didn't play well. Draymond Green didn't play well. People are upset that Steve Kerr didn't put Steph Curry in earlier in the fourth quarter, that he came in with like four and a half minutes left. There was a timeout with like 6.56 or something. And second guessing, people are wondering if Steve Kerr should have inserted Steph at that point. But listen, one of the early stories of the season has been the Warriors' improved depth, right? And people have commented on the fact that, hey, that second unit that starts the beginning of the second quarter and the beginning of the fourth quarter has handed the closers the lead. So I don't blame Kerr for trusting those veterans and seeing what they could do and trying to get Steph his regular minutes. This was not a break glass in case of emergency situation. In hindsight, sure, you could say like, oh, we should have thrown Steph in at the 11 minute mark of the fourth quarter, but come on. And some folks who think that Steph was iced, that he got cold because he sat out an extra couple of minutes. I mean, we'll just have to disagree on that one because I don't think that makes any sense. The greatest shooter of all time, because he sits a couple more minutes, is going to go completely cold. Steph himself said sitting a little bit longer was not the reason they lost the game. And that's just logic, man. You know, hey, if Draymond Green doesn't walk it up and turn the ball over after an eight-second violation, do they score on that? Do they win the game? For folks who think that the sky is falling all of a sudden and are all up in arms because of one loss in game five, the fifth game of the season, when this team is still new to each other and they're still trying to figure their stuff out, no, they're not perfect, right? But it's a process, y'all. It's a process. And if I were Kerr, yeah, sure, maybe. Maybe you could put him in a little bit earlier. Maybe you could put him in at 6.56. But a few seconds after that, Damian Lee hits a three, and the lead is five. When Steph checked out of the game at the end of the third quarter, I believe the lead was six. So, you know, it's not like Alan Smilegich was in the game or a rookie Nico Mannion or Michael Mulder. Kerr was rolling with the dudes who had played pretty well so far this season and who've had dependable veteran careers. So if they can't hold a lead for another minute, then okay, great. That's a great data point. But don't, <laughs> but yo, hey, if, if you want to blame Kerr, that's, that's, you're free to do that. But I just think that's a, a, a funny approach to being upset about this game. I mean, Kerr put Draymond Green into the fourth quarter at the 830 mark. So Draymond Green is supposed to help stabilize that team. But you know what? He didn't. He wasn't his best. Folks who are pointing at Kerr, sure, sure. Don't discount the fact that everybody else screwed up this game too. It was a 100% team-wide effort to lose this game. So take the L, move on. Don't make the same mistakes. That's it. We're not trying to go 82-0. We're trying to see what this team has, win as many games as possible, and then peak at the right moment. There's flaws. We know it. We see them. This is not the KD dynasty team where they can just give the ball to him and he'll make all the problems go away. But somehow, some way, the Warriors are going to have to figure out how to get someone else to score. Once you realize Jordan Poole wasn't going to be that guy tonight, 
then they were kind of stuck again. I've said that Poole can go to the basket, right? But that wasn't working for him tonight. So when he's not doing it, who else is going to get you a much needed basket, an easy basket, get to the foul line? No one. So they were stuck just setting screens and hoping Steph could hit a three. And that's not going to win you a game at the end of this. Because all of a sudden, like I said, at the start of the game, I was like, oh, this is not the Warriors team the Grizzlies saw in the play-in round. But then at the end of the game, I was like, oh, this is exactly the team the Grizzlies saw in the play-in round. A team that was relying on Steph because no one else could do it. Anyway, I believe Jordan Poole will get better. I believe that Wiseman will help when he's healthy. I believe Clay Thompson will help when he's back. I believe Kaminga and Moody will help at some point this season. It's just one loss. Now, if they start losing a bunch of these games, then we got something to talk about. But it is what it is. They take ownership of this one. And, you know, on to the next. The NBA is back and at DraftKings Sportsbook, an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA. The key to victory is a strong starting five. New customers can bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. So why not make your roster of Washington, 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 and, oh yeah, Washington. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get skin in the game with new same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. A couple thoughts on the Grizzlies. John Morant. I'll be honest. For a while, I thought he was a little bit overrated because I would see him play and think, eh, I mean, is he going to be better than Russ? Is he going to be better than Kyrie? But he's just different, you know? I mean, he seems to have this confidence that spreads to his team, and I think that's a big part of being a great point guard. His three-point shot wasn't that great, although it's supposed to be improved. He was only two for eight, but he hit big shots at the end and helped his team win. What more can you ask for from a guy? Jaron Jackson Jr., he looked okay. Uh, he didn't shoot well, but he was active and he looks like he's back from that meniscus injury. So that bodes well for James Wiseman, hopefully. And I wanted to see Zaire Williams. He got a lot of playing time, which was good, especially on a team that should make the playoffs. But his jump shot is looking uglier than I remember. It almost looks like he's pushing it off with two hands. That's a first impression. It looks like he's just kind of chucking it up there. We'll see how he evolves at this point. All right. That is another episode of the Oakland Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick Epino, E-P-I-N-O, or at Oakland Warriors. Check us out at OaklandWarriors.com and be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors Podcast is produced by National Film Society and is a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time. 
Go Dubs.